Hi everyone, it's Caleb, and I'm so excited that you've decided to listen to this episode of the Learner's Quarter Podcast. I have a great guest for you today. Today, I'm talking with Kathy Caprino, who's recently authored the book, The Most Powerful You, Seven Bravery-Boosting Paths to Career Bliss. And I'm so excited about this episode. If you're not familiar with Kathy, she is an internationally recognized career and leadership coach, a writer, speaker, and educator directed to the advancement of women business and we get into that a whole lot and talk about that. She is also a former corporate vice president, also a trained marriage and family therapist, which we also literally, this conversation just covers the gamut. She has contributed to Forbes as well. She is also the author of several other books and she is the president of the Kathy Caprino LLC, a premier coaching or career coaching and executive consulting firm offering career and leadership development programs for women, including the Amazing Career Project course and her podcast, Finding Brave, along with many other things as well. And I'm so excited for this conversation because this dives into something that I absolutely love uh, learning about. I love learning about uh, people who have experiences so different than my own, you know, growing up, I was gonna say growing up, but being a white man, I love hearing from others' perspective because I know that my perspective is not the only perspective. And Kathy and I talk about that so much in the podcast today, and we're gonna get into that conversation here in just a minute. But before we do that, you know, one of the things I absolutely love, as I mentioned with these conversations, is it helps it helps me continue to learn and grow as a human being. And on this uh, podcast, that's what we want to do, is that we truly believe that we can learn from anyone and from everyone, from anyone and from everything. And we want to create a safe place to have what may be viewed as, as dangerous conversations. Maybe it's a conversation that you don't feel like you can have with somebody else because if you bring it up, it might feel dangerous. And that's the type of conversations that we want to have right here on this podcast. And so before we get into that, I do want to let you know that the music that you're listening to is brought to you by my good friend, Sam Massey. And so if you have any audio or video needs, be sure to reach out to him. His Instagram handle is at sammassey 77 Now, as I mentioned today, I'm talking with Kathy Caprino, and here is our conversation. Kathy, I'm so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today to talk about your most recent book, The Most Powerful You. So happy to be here. Thank you for having me, Caleb. Yeah. Just as we get started, I always love asking people kind of the story behind the work that they've created, because whether it's a book or a piece of art or a movie or something like that, at least just in my own experience, there's usually like a moment or a series of moments that, that led someone to go, I have to put this out in the world. It's like a burden that it feels like. And I'm just curious, what's what what was that for you? Thank you for asking. I like telling this story. So uh, I'll try to make it brief. Um, here's the deal. I had an 18-year corporate career, successful on the outside, not successful on the inside. Bumpy, bumpy, bumpy. And when I hit 40, and I'm 60 now, so quite a while ago, uh, I faced sexual harassment, gender discrimination, chronic illness zero work-life balance, 
toxic colleagues, narcissistic bosses before I even knew what narcissism was. It was, it was a mess. And worse than that was waking up saying, is this the work that I'm going to be doing in the world? Because it didn't feel meaningful or contributive. But the deal is, I didn't know what to do to change it. It it was a high-level career. My family needed the money. So I did nothing. And you can read all about this in, in the book. But what happened was, when you do nothing, the universe will step in and something will happen when it needs to happen. And I was kind of promised this big career. Buy the biggest house you can. I did. Moved in. One month later was 9-11. And then one month later, I was laid off in this way that was so brutal that I snapped. I had a real breakdown moment that I cannot return to this life. So sitting in my therapist's office weeping, and this is one of the pivotal moments, he said, I know from where you sit, this looks like the worst crisis you've ever faced. But from where I sit, it's the first moment you can choose who you want to be in the world. Now, who do you want to be? Now, the thing is, if I knew that, I would have been it, you know? So I went, I don't know, I want to be you. And we laughed. And he said, what does that mean? And I said, I want to help people not hurt people and be hurt. From that, I became a therapist, marriage and family therapist, and then I morphed into career coaching. So the answer to your question is, I've been working with professional women for 15 years now. And about two years ago, Caleb, I said, I've got to figure something out here. How is it that I'm working with thousands of women from around the world? I was on Zoom for years, you know, no matter where they live, no matter what education level, socioeconomic level, no matter what walk of life, no matter what field, they're coming with the same crushing challenges that I am not hearing from men. Mm. So two years ago, I wanted to answer this question. What are they missing in their life that they are having these problems, these crushing problems? And number two, what are they getting from me and from coaching that helps them transform? And the answer was this, bravery and power. Bravery to look without denial at what isn't working and say, I have the accountability to change it. But not only that, have the power internal and external to change it. And so I said, okay, I, I get it, but now I need to understand more. What is this? What are these gaps? So I, they, I saw them as power gaps. Mm-hmm. And I started looking at all the interviews I've done and all the work with the clients and seven damaging power gaps emerged. And that's what the book is. How do we have these? Why do we have these? How do we overcome these power gaps? What happens when we do? And how we can help other people uplift themselves and overcome these gaps. So that's the book. Yeah. And I want to get into that in just a second, but you mentioned something that I, I just am curious to get your take on is you mentioned that you were a marriage and, and family therapist and then also a business coach as well. That's not like a two experiences that you tend to see together. I'm just curious, have you seen any like commonalities between the two, between what you've done in marriage and Uh, family therapy, and in business and leadership coaching? I I love this question. Nobody's asked me this. Um, I would say this. First of all, that training was the most life-changing thing I've ever done. I sat with rape, incest, pedophilia, suicidality, drug addiction. So to answer your question, when you're a good therapist, 
you have to meet the person where they are without judgment. So I'm sitting with a pedophile thinking, I can't even look at this person. But if you don't have love for what who they are somehow, and if you can't empathize and really make them feel connected with you, you can't help anyone. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is I morphed to career coaching. So I'd call it career and leadership coaching a little more than business coaching, but I do that too. Um, Because it was dark work, the therapy, rape, incest, you know, all of that pedophilia. Um, But I would say that I really think I'm a a very good coach and it's because of the therapeutic training. Excuse me. It's because, so what they have in common, I think is you know, I love to say this, you are what your childhood taught you to be unless you've unlearned it. So when someone, I can look at someone on LinkedIn and in five minutes, I can see more about their career than they ever thought anyone would know about their career. Uh, so the, the therapeutic lens gives me a deep dive into yeah. what's missing. And I think that's why I'm a good coach. And that's why you can work with me in six sessions. Somebody said, I got more out of one hour with you than a year of therapy. And I love therapy. Don't get me wrong. But I also say this. I have found that insight doesn't change your life. I was talking to my daughter about this and she said, I don't agree, mom. I don't agree. It's action that changes your life. So insight that makes you act or behave or operate differently is what changes your life on a, on a continuous basis, I think. Okay, so I want to go down. I want to go down this path a little bit, and then we'll get to the book. Love um, it. What are some of the things that you're looking for whenever you're looking at someone's LinkedIn profile that can t- like can tell you stuff? Because okay, like that. I, got it. Yeah. I think that like for anybody who's in a management position, like yeah, I'm just thinking. Okay, man, here I it is. Know. And I checked you out too, Caleb. I have to tell you, I can get a whole sense. So. Yeah. Here's what, and you know, link, I have a big platform on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn changed my life, you know, honestly, in a lot of ways. So here's what I'm looking for. I go to your profile. What's your picture look like? Do you have a cover? Do you have, you know, that cover, that image behind your picture? Um, Are you showing what you care about in the world? Number two, what is your headline? If it's your job, you're blowing it. You are more than your job. It better not be vice president of marketing for, you know, IBM. Yeah. You are more than that. Number three, do you have a summary that's juicy that, and here's the deal. And, you know, I want to say this before we, we go further. Mm-hmm. I am not painting all women with the same brush or all men with the same brush. But when you work with thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and when you do the research, there are trends, there are undeniable trends. Women struggle more than men around saying what they're great at. That's power gap number two. When I say, you know, how do you stand out? What are you great at? Well, I'm okay at this, this, and this. And they won't say they're great. Well, I can see it's a vanilla summary, you know, seasoned executor with a, and I'm not trying to put people down, but those vague platitudinal words that say nothing. I read them and I say, I don't know who this person is. What do they care about? What are they passionate about? What have they done that makes them so thrilled? So the summary is weak. Then we get to the jobs. It lists it. And then I don't even, there's not even a sentence about what you're doing from an overarching perspective. Mm -hmm. And then there are no bullet points. I need to understand not what you do, but the outcomes that you have created that you're proud of. Mm -hmm. And, And also, 
sometimes people will jump from a job they had or a career and then they're a consultant, but we don't see a connection. It looks like it went off on, you know, the far left field. You have to tie it all in, you, you know, because who you are now is something that's been developing. It's dots that have been connected. Fourthly, are you sharing your thought leadership? Are you, you know, am I saying, Caleb, I love your podcast. Here's what I loved about the last episode and share it. Are you tagging people? Are you engaged? Are you, are you sharing your thought leadership? Do you have groups that you're interested in? So in the end, what I'm looking at is how engaged are you in what you do? Yeah. And if you're laying there looking flat, you're not engaged. Yeah. The, the other thing that I want to ask you about is you talked about um, that you need to unlearn some of the stuff that you talk, that you learned in childhood. How can someone go about determining what are the things that they need to unlearn? I would say start, this is not a sales pitch, but it's true. Start with the power gaps. And I have a power gap survey in about 15 minutes. Yeah. You're going to see what gap you have it. And here's the deal. I did a survey. You know, I used to be a qualitative and quantitative market researcher. I love qualitative more because you can understand the why, but it's important to do quantitative too. Yeah. Caleb, you're not going to believe it. Out of the th- more than thousand women around the world that took this survey, 98% have one of these gaps and over 75% have three or more. And if you have these gaps, you're not able to thrive at the highest level and make the impact you want, make have the reward you want, the meaning you want. So you take the survey. And what that's going to tell you is, let me tell you a few things I can see. I have something called a career path assessment, which is free. Anyone can take it. I can give you the link. Yeah. It's 11 pages of questions I wish someone had asked me 30 years ago. And if I had answered these questions, honestly, I wouldn't have made the mistakes I made. I really wouldn't have, but I look at this career path assessment and I can see very clearly what, what may be in the way that they've learned from childhood. So let me say a few things. Can I, Yep. I happen to know a lot about narcissism uh, because there was narcissism in my life. And then I attracted situations that had narcissism. Even when I reinvented my life and started a therapy practice, one of the partners was a narcissist. Um, When you've been raised I have a bugaboo being a marriage and family therapist because I worked with a lot of parents who were not uh, healthy parents. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal. When you raise children with conditional love, you've got to look like this. You got to get straight A's. You got to be the, you know, the best on the soccer field. You got to get into Harvard or we don't love you or we don't accept you. It's going to mess you up. Uh, so a lot of people had either narcissistic parents or emotionally manipulative parents. You will do what I say you need to do and you will like it. It it prevents us from um, developing in a healthy way. Another thing I talk about is perfectionistic over-functioning. And let me tell you what it is. And this starts from childhood. Every high-achieving woman I've ever met is one of these, and I'm a recovering one. Here's what it is. Over-functioning is doing more than is appropriate necessary and healthy. Perfectionistic overfunctioning is trying to get an A plus in all of it. What happens is you burn out, you get exhausted, you get depressed, and the needle is always moving. You you never reach it. So all of these things have their antecedents in our childhood. So here's another thing you can think about in terms of 
what did I learn in childhood? I was watching the Tony Robbins documentary, I Am Not Your Guru. Yeah. And he asked this one question, fell off my chair. I'm not kidding. He said to the audience, in your childhood, who did you crave love most from? And who did you have to be to get it? And instantly, Caleb, what came to me was, I had to be obedient for my mom, Hmm. Greek, Greek, you you know, don't challenge me. I'm the, and I had to be brilliant for my dad. And I say this a lot. Mom's alive. Dad is in heaven. I said to mom, look, I'm going to be mentioning this. It's in my book. And what do you think? And she paused and I thought, uh-oh, I'm going to get it. And she, and I'm 60. I'm still worried about my mom yelling. She said, yeah, I could see how you would think that. You know, in her generation and her culture, you don't challenge authority. Mm-hmm. When you grow up with this, you learn it's not safe to challenge authority or challenge or speak your mind. So you can pretty much look at what isn't working in your life what chronically repeats negatively, it's probably something you learned in childhood. Yeah. And, and I could even just see from the example that you gave with your mom and dad of like, there's a point to where you run into, you have to choose one or the other because obedience and brilliance, sometimes they're going to conflict. True. And I think true. And I think that's true for all of us, whatever it comes to, you know, our, our parents or our loved ones or whoever that might be. We run into that conflict from time to time. Caleb, I never thought of that, but I chose brilliance, not not to say that I'm so brilliant. Yeah. But you you can't have your brilliance shine out if you're being obedient. Because brilliant part of brilliance is you're saying things that need to be said or new things. That's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Got to write a new book about that. Oh, <laughs> not yet. Um, so let's talk about the power gaps. Some that okay. kind of your book is framed around a lot and kind of uh, uh, what some of those gaps are. Okay. So I got my data here. I'm going to tell you the yeah. percentage of the, the survey respondents that have them in the top ones. But number one is, and I do want to say, while my focus is mid to high level professional women, men say, please write a book for me. And I have these gaps. And so I think it relates to every oh. person in business, entrepreneurial, corporate. Oh yeah. Even, even just going through everything. I'm like, oh, check. That's me. Check. That's- <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. I'm not good. Oh no. I don't yeah. want you to have these gaps, but I would love to hear which ones resonate with you most. Yeah. Will you tell me? All right. Number one is not recognizing your special talents, abilities, and gifts. So here's the deal. Here's what people say when they have this. I have no idea how or if I'm special. I don't think I have any outstanding talents. Mm -hmm. Everyone has outstanding talents. Everyone is special. Everyone is like a thumbprint. But if you can't name them and you can't talk about them, and if you don't think you're great at anything, you're just leaving opportunity on the table. And 63% of the thousand women, uh, over a thousand women say they have this. The second is communicating from fear, not strength. Oh, let me tell you a little bit about, for women, why these gaps exist before I I read them, okay? Yeah. Briefly, and I learned so much about this um, when I interviewed Terry Reel, who's a best-selling author and a, a renowned couples therapist and an expert on patriarchy. So this is not to bash men. This is to just talk about the system we live, especially in the corporate world. It's a patriarchal system. In the patriarchal system, 
we split ourselves in half. There's the feminine and there's the masculine. And we know what that is, right? Masculine is strong, not vulnerable, not emotional, gets things done, dominant. Feminine is soft, malleable, pleasing, accommodating. When you live in this system, you know, and the research shows that at about age 12 or 13, girls start to go underground. Before that, they're on par with boys about leadership, about interest in STEM, about speaking up. At about 13, girls start going underground. So this is the framework. This is, you know, these gaps just don't pop out, you know, from the beginning. Okay. Number two, communicating from fear, not strength. And, you know, I think any woman listening knows what I mean. Um, When you're strong as a woman, you've been called a biatch, you know, the real world. You're, You're penalized. But we also don't help ourselves because we weaken our message. We apologize. We, we weaken it. We have to stop. We have to communicate from strength. Number three, and that's 70% said yes to that. Yes or maybe. Number three, reluctance to ask for what you deserve. Here's one stat that says it all. 57%, one study said 50%, 57% of men right out of business school negotiated their very first salary. of women did. I mean, if that's what's happening, women are behind from the second they get into the workforce Mm -hmm. and they're, they're behind what they, they deserve, you know, 77% said, yep, this is me. Number four is isolating from influential support. So here's a stat, Sylvia Ann Hewlett, who studied, you know, women's issues for Mm -hmm. years. um, Her research showed that men no, let's start with women. Have th- women have three times as many mentors as men, but men have twice as many sponsors. Sponsors are mentors who have power, who have clout, who have influence. So we have to stop isolating and start networking up. Number and 71% said, yep. Uh, number five, this is a rough one. It's acquiescing instead of saying stop to mistreatment. Mm-hmm. Mistreatment is sexual harassment gender bias, all forms, racial discrimination. 48% said this, but frankly, you know, the research shows that eight out of 10 women will be sexually harassed in their careers. So I find it interesting that only 48% said they're acquiescing. It's it's not true. They either don't see it or don't want to admit it. Number six is, and this is the one that of all the gaps, when I said, which one resonates most, 25% said this one. And 76% said, I have this. It's losing sight of that thrilling dream you had for your life. Mm. People say, I I have no idea what I want to do for a career, but, you know, I I had an idea before and I've lost it. And finally, number seven is something people don't understand. It's allowing the past and past trauma to continue to define you. So therapists use the word trauma a little more comfortably than, than you know, non-therapists. But the thing is, we have trauma from our careers. You got fired. You were called stupid. Your friend betrayed you. Your boss humiliated you. You got passed over. You think you're an imposter. You know, I don't really know how to do this work. And I've been hired here as a leader and I don't know how to do it. Only 62% said this, but literally I see this every single day. Mm-hmm. So those are the gaps. Yeah. And uh, just to answer- Which one resonates with you? Yeah. I was going to say uh, the the two for me that I've seen in my life that I've had to work, I've had to work through a lot of my bleep with is, uh, 
is the first one of not recognizing my own strengths um, because of feeling like it was, it was a false sense of humility on my part that I thought, well, hey, I don't want to brag about what I'm good about. And, you know, because of that, hey, I'll come across better. Um, And then the other one was uh, what you were talking about with the dreams, I would say, of feeling like I needed to give into what what other people expected from me instead of like what I was meant to do. And so those are the two that really hit home for me whenever I was going through it all. Can I ask you this? Mm -hmm. Did any of that the humility piece, the I had to live up to expectations. Do you see any roots in childhood? Oh, oh yeah. Very, very right. much so. Yeah. And so, so like the humility thing, my mom would be like, don't be so braggarty. Tone it down, girl. Yeah. Did you, were you raised in a family that was like, yeah. Yeah, don't yep. be like and that. So like my dad, my dad is uh, a senior pastor at a church and I actually work at the church. Wow. And so, uh, and so yeah. growing up with that, oh yeah, I, ex- I experienced that so much and it's just so, uh, Here you know, go. yeah. And again, I don't know if this was true with uh, your relationship with you and your parents, but for me, it's not even that my parents intended it to be that way. No. It's just the environment in which I was raised. And some of it is my own projection onto what happened. As well. That's it. Right. Like if I said to dad, did you really need me to be brilliant? He'd be like, don't be ridiculous. I love every part of you, but it's the message you got. It doesn't matter if you mistook the message. It's the message you got. Mm -hmm. Can I also say this? You know, I'm beginning to give this, this example in every talk I give. I want people to understand that when you talk about your strengths, it isn't bragging. It's fact. Yeah. So can I give a quick example? Yeah, go for it. There's a lot of career coaches that help women. If someone says to me, why, why should I hire you? I say four facts. Number one, I had a high-level career, corporate career. I have lived the challenges high-level women had. Number two, uh, trained as a marriage and family therapist, so I go deeper than the average coach. Number three, I have spent 15 years studying women's issues, and I wrote the book on it, two books now. And I truly believe I know women's challenges probably more than anyone on this planet. Mm-hmm. That's my belief. That's not a fact. Number four, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm in the arena doing this. You know, you've got to be brave to have a business and, and be successful. So first of all, I'd ask you, does that sound like bragging to you when I say these four things? No. No, it doesn't. You know, only one person in the history of 10 years has said, well, kind of, yeah. And I, and in an audience, she said, yeah, that sounds like bragging. And everyone laughed. I said, that sounds like bragging to you. She goes, it's just that I was trained never to talk about myself. So, but the rest of the people are like, no, that sounds like fact. Yeah. And what is so important, people, is when you share the facts of you, and in my TEDx talk, Time to Brave Up, I talk about get to the 20 facts of you, those accomplishments that no one can say you didn't do. You're not exaggerating. You did it and you're proud of doing it. Once you can do that, it becomes part of your story that you share and that's how you help people. So if someone hears those four facts and doesn't like it or doesn't resonate, then I'm not the right coach for them and they're not the right client for me. So it becomes a way to filter who you can be of service to. So 
especially women, we've got to get over this thing that I sound like I'm bragging. Mm-hmm. We've got to. Yeah. And in your prep for the book, and even just in uh, even just in the own work that you've done, what has been the most surprising thing that you've discovered, or thing that hey, you entered with, you know, maybe this belief, and you changed your mind about it? Uh, you know, from this book and this research, yeah. I I think it has to be the magnitude of the problem. I mean, mm-hmm. when I first saw it er- emerging, that it's almost every woman. Yeah. Um, I was heartbroken Um, because I think this is really evidence of what living in a society that, look at me getting choked up, that tells women you you have to be a certain thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll tell you, um, you know, I write a blog on Forbes and part of being brave is tackling hard issues. And I wrote a post on what is feminism and why do so many women and men hate it? Yeah. Oh, boy. Then I did a FaceTime live video. Suffice it to say, I put it up on YouTube. I have never gotten such, I'm talking murderous rage. Mm -hmm. Two guys wrote, shut up, you dumb C word. And I'm sitting there reading the comments and women took me down to, you know, feminists have ruined this country, ruined this world. So I'm a misty eyed crying, you know, like, and my daughter comes in, she's 26 now. This was a few years ago. And she goes, mom, what do you think's going to happen when you put it on YouTube? It's a bunch of trolling, unfiltered, unaccountable. They all have fake names, these people, and they have no followers. All they do is sit and tear you down. But they're not in the arena putting out their thought leadership. So I I took off the comments on YouTube. And I just do want to say on LinkedIn and on Forbes, you get comments that are respectful. It's not that I don't want to be dissented against or, you know, it's that I need you to be respectful. Don't tear me down and swear at me. Um, But it's this work that what people think about women. Mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm in a certain uh, sphere, you know, writing on Forbes and all that I don't see a lot until now of what a lot of the country feels. Yeah. What, uh, what do you think causes people to respond like that? You know what I believe, you know, I'm a spiritual person. I believe that there's good in almost everyone and that you know, if if you even look at whatever side you are in our country, there's so much hate and divisiveness. And you know what I think that comes from? You know, I was I had on my podcast Laura Gallagher who, just recently, who's a organizational psychologist mm-hmm. who studies dynamics. Yeah. And you know what she said, which I think nails it. And I'm I'm probably going to butcher it a little, but she's talking about how you communicate. And what we need to do is listen with all of us. So let's say you're going to share with me. I'm a liberal. Let's face it. Let's say it. And I'm open to hearing other people's views. I really want to learn. Yeah. Let's say I'm listening to you and I begin to get reactive, that reptilian brain. She says what happens is if some piece of you feels that your very existence is being threatened, you're going to get highly agitated. I feel like this is what is happening, that 
some people have felt like they've had to go underground in years past with other presidents, with other cultural movements. And there's been rage because their values and their way of being is literally being threatened. And I get that because I feel that now. Yeah. And when we're like that, we go back to the caveman. We go back to that, that reptilian brain. But the hatred, you know, that it's very hard for someone like me who's an empath. Like I feel things deeply to watch the news and to see what people are doing to each other. I don't quite get it. Yeah. But I think it's because we're afraid. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, No, I, I agree. I agree. I think, I think it feels like something, uh, something that is almost a part of who we are um, is being attacked. And I think it's exactly what you said. And whenever, uh, you know, you really, it's the fight, then you either respond with fight or flight. And so I'm either going to run away or I'm going to attack back. Right. But I'm going to say one other thing. Yeah. You know, I've been writing for 15 years. I've been writing on Forbes for nine years. The advent and explosion of social media has been incredibly um, destructive. Yeah. Because research has shown, there's this study I studied as a therapist. Um, it, quickly, it was fake. It was a fake research study, but they had people who didn't know what was fake on one side of a wall. You know this study? No. And they were, and then there were supposed to be like patients on the other side. And there was the instructor saying, turn up the dial. They're going to get a little bit of an electric shock. It's going to be all right. Turn it up. And the person turns it up. And then the instructor says, turn it up more. And they're hearing screaming. But they're doing it because they're being instructed to do it. And the screamers are actors. Yeah. And, you know, what, what these people ended up doing was administering a fatal dose of electric shock. It didn't happen. It was a, a simulation. The yeah. point is, number one, when you don't see the people that you're hurting, when you just fire off your crap, on social media. And I, you know, thankfully I don't get a lot of it, but I've gotten it. It's so hurtful, Mm -hmm. but I really ask people to do this when you're firing off, even on Facebook, when you are hating on the other side of the political spectrum, these are people with children and parents and they're human beings. Would you say that? Here's what I'd ask you to do. Don't write what you wouldn't say to the person to their face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a writer, we, we were taught, I don't know where I heard this, don't write anything that you wouldn't want to be quoted on the front cover of the New York Times. You know, for instance, what just happened with the, um, the announcer who, you know, had a yeah. gay slur, anti-gay slur. Come on, buddy. <laughs> You know, we have to just engage our brains and our hearts more today. Do you yeah. agree? Yep, I agree. Uh, I want to, uh, we've, we've talked a lot about, we've had a great conversation. And a very wide range. We, we absolute, went a lot of directions. Which, which is exactly what I love. Um, I want to go back to the power gaps and just what you were mentioning. And for, I want to talk about, hey, we have the power gaps. What are some things that we can do 
help overcome these. And I re- I'm really thinking in two ways for the for uh, the men or women who are who are feeling, hey, I resonate with one of those power gaps. What can we do? And then for the person who is who's the manager or they're the leader and they see the power gaps, like can you just talk to and maybe start with the person who is who literally feels the power gaps and yes. what they can do, and then maybe move towards, hey, what what is we as leaders and managers? What can we do to you know, proactively erase those power gaps, at least to the best of our ability. Oh, thank you for asking. So, you know, I have a lot of materials on all this and people can reach out and obviously read the book, but uh, let me give a tip for each one. Yeah, that'd be great. Not recognizing your special talents. All right. Watch the TED Talk and write down the 20 facts of you this, this weekend, honestly, and start practicing with a coaching buddy if you need how to say these things and watch your body. Do you do you shrink down? Do you think, oh, I can't say it. Practice, 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 letting it roll off your tongue. But most importantly, recognize that you are incredibly valuable. The world needs your talents. The world needs that brilliance, not that obedience. So start recognizing how you're gifted. If you can't figure it out, ask 20 people that you've worked with, get recommendations on LinkedIn. Help yourself to see that you are incredibly valuable. Number two, communicating from fear, not strength. I want you to watch your language from this second on. Do you know, there's a lot of research that um, women apologize something like, I don't know the number, 10 times more than men. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And my son is like, oh mom, that's just an idiom. But no, we're apologizing all over the place. I'd like you to start looking at where do you weaken your message in a meeting when you are about to say something? Do you, do you say what women say? You know, I'm not sure this is a good idea. Uh, You know, I'm not sure I'm right. Don't, do that because you are broadcasting that people shouldn't listen to you. And women get interrupted far more than men. If someone interrupts you, say, excuse me, Caleb, you know, that sounds like a great point, but I did want to complete my, my message here. Yeah. Don't let it happen. Okay. Number three, reluctance to ask for what you deserve. Here's the deal. You've got to figure out what you deserve. And that is fact-based. That's not emotional. Do competitive research. Look at Glassdoor, salary.com. Look at what you feel you deserve and then write the case for it without emotion. And the case is this. It's not about you. It's about how is it going to help the organization that you get this raise and promotion. Figure it out, write it, and then decide when the best timing is to ask for it. And also ask for help. Women are notoriously bad at this. Um, I think men are not so hot either, too, truthfully, yeah, given the, given the yeah, research so about that either. No, <laughs> but women need to ask, figure out what to ask for help about and get it. Okay. Isolating from influential support. You know, the research shows women stay in the same room. They're more comfortable with women who are on their same level. I want you to find 10 people who are 10 steps ahead of you. Find them on LinkedIn, find them on Twitter, find them on Instagram, follow them, share their thought leadership. Be of service to them and then get in their sphere. It's time that you really network up because you need power, right? Acquiescing instead of saying, stop, here's the deal. You know when you're being mistreated. You just don't want to face it often. And I have a story in the book about how, um, and Terry Real, the therapist, talks about this in his work. When you're part of a patriarchal culture, and this can be you know, where there's a dominant culture and a non-dominant. And that can be parent-child. It can be a racial issue. For women, it's the corporate world mm-hmm. and, and also the startup world. Um, the, what Terry has found is there's this core collusion. The non-dominant group protects the very people that are abusing them. 
it's it's harrowing. And there's a story in the book about how I did that. I deleted an email that proved sexual harassment. I deleted it as I was leaving the company. And I'm thinking to myself, why are you deleting this? I don't know, just delete it. So I want you to look at where are you being mistreated? Mm-hmm. And there's steps in the book. We don't just want to take that on if it's not safe. Your boss is a narcissist. You're not going to take on your narcissist boss. It's not going to go well. But you might go to a lawyer. You might see HR. Figure it out. Get some help. Losing sight of your thrilling dream. This is really important, Caleb. What people come to me about is, I, I don't like my career. I don't like what I'm doing. But they think they have to chuck everything. They think they have to lose their salary in 401k and benefits. They think, I don't know, I'm in HR, but I just want to be a singer in the band or I want to start a bed and breakfast. Most people don't want to be a singer in the band and start you know, a bed and breakfast. I actually had people go out and interview bed and breakfast people. I can't tell you how many people say they want to start a bed and breakfast. None of them have come back and said, yeah, I really want to start a bed and breakfast. They're <laughs> like, what the heck was I thinking? Here's what you do. And I know you know this. Writers write. Speakers speak, graphic designers design, start doing the thing you think you want to do. Small micro steps, become that person without throwing the baby out with the bathwater. When you start doing that, you change and you become more powerful and you're an energetic match to what you want, but you have to start doing it. And finally, allowing the past trauma to define you. What I'd love you to do is think about what your childhood taught you think about the most painful things that have happened in your life. Whether whether your boyfriend said, I never loved you and kicked you out or your boss did something, think about those things. And I guarantee you, your confidence level is being impacted by this thing. And I call it the dirty little secret. I don't have enough education. I'm too old. I'm not smart enough to do Zoom. Figure out the dirty little secret and bring it to light do something about the dirty little secret. Those are just some tips. Now, I do have a whole wonderful article for leaders, but there are so many terrible, destructive leaders and managers in the world. I've written an article, why are there so many terrible? And why is it? Because they're wounded. And many of them have no place managing people. If you're a leader, the first thing I want you to do is Look, you're responsible for building a psychologically safe culture. You are it. And if you are allowing a destructive manager because they make a lot of money for your business, because who the heck knows what, you are responsible for that. So the very first thing is look at where there's toxicity, where there's pain, and you got to deal with the person causing that. And if you don't see it, then you're not looking because in almost every culture, there's someone who's hurting someone. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, help people recognize their special talents. When you manage them, meet with them and say, this is what I see your talents are. And about the losing sight of your thrilling dream, a lot of us were in the wrong jobs. You know, I, I did marketing for years and, you know, research was really fun for me, but I, I was also in some other jobs that were so wrong for me. Yeah, I was good at them. You can be good at something you hate doing, by the way. Help your people see what they're gifted at and have the conversation. Look, you are great at this job. How do you feel about this job? Is there another role? Is there another dimension? Help them become the biggest version of themselves. Those are some tips. What else? Um, Here's another thing. Some of these cultures still have the year annual review. And clients tell me, 
I, I got a three out of a five. And it's the first time I heard I wasn't living up to expectations. Really? Really? Managers? Meet with them regularly. And if and get over your reluctance to tell them, listen, we have to talk about a development area here. Those are just a few. But the point is build a culture that people can thrive in. And if you don't know how to do that, read this book. Yeah. And just as we're getting ready to wrap up, you write so much and talk so much about the role that bravery plays mm. in this. I would just love for you to just, just talk about the role that bravery bravery, if I could say, if bravery (laughs) plays, talk about the role that bravery plays, not only in, um, in overcoming the power gaps, not only in leading well, but just even just in life as well. Talk about the role that bravery, (laughs) I'm just struggling. I get it. You don't need to say it again. Bravery plays. That's hard. Bravery will change your life from Asserting yourself in ways that need to be asserted or developing boundaries. There's another thing I learned in therapy. If you do not have healthy boundaries where you know where you end and another person begins, where you don't have to catch every ball that's thrown at you, if you don't have those and building those requires bravery. You know, I love to tell this story when I launched my podcast, Finding Brave, and talked about you need to have that conversation, that brave conversation. My sister said, I don't like this finding brave stuff. And I said, why not? And she said, because I finally found brave and told that mean friend of mine what she was doing. And I go, good. And she said, and then she got mad and didn't want to speak to me. And I laughed. You don't find brave. That's why it's finding brave. It's, I used to say brave up. You have to do it every day of your life because there are consequences. Your life is like a system, a mobile. When you change, the whole thing changes. But when you become brave, here's what happens. You begin to uplift yourself. And when you do that, you're a role model for others. You begin to engage with people differently, more vulnerably, more openly. There's more love that happens. There's more connection that happens. Mm -hmm. You begin to let out your light. Everyone has a light. You begin to make the difference that you're on this planet to make. It ain't easy, especially for those of us who are raised to be obedient, but it's life-changing and you will see miraculous changes. You won't even know what hit you, but it requires courage. Yeah. It requires courage to be brave. Yep. Well, Kathy... Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank it's you, been Katie. it's been such a life-giving conversation. I absolutely loved our time together. I know Thank people you. are going to want to find the book, continue to learn from you. Where's the best place for people to go to do those things? Thank you. I had so much fun, Caleb. So kathycaprino.com is the best place. My podcast is findingbrave.org. You can find the book on Amazon and anywhere you love to find books. You know, the audio book, which I narrated myself, I'm a singer on the side. And to, mm-hmm. to narrate that thing, oh. It was something I've never done anything. So it took a lot of discipline, but the audio book is also kind of flying. It was, you know, in the top 100 of women in business on Amazon for a little bit. So if you are not a book reader right now, you much prefer audio, check out the audio book on Amazon. And there, there it is. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And just thanks for all the work that you're doing as well. Thank you for having me. I loved it. 
Kathy, thank you so much for being on the Learner's Corner today. It was great talking with you, and I absolutely love uh, just these types of conversations, even though they could be very challenging because they help me to continue to learn and grow as a human being. And for me, just as being a follower of Jesus, it helps and challenges me to continue to grow and then continue to, to grow in my, in my love for other people as well. And so thank you so much for being on the podcast today. If you have enjoyed this podcast, the best way to make sure you don't miss a single episode is by hitting subscribe on whatever podcast player you use. Or um, or if you happen to use Spotify, you can hit the follow button as well. You know, on this podcast, as I uh, mentioned pretty much every single episode, we want to create a safe place to have dangerous conversations. And we truly believe that we can learn from anyone and from everyone, from anything and from everything. And so if you have somebody that you would love for us to talk on this podcast, or if you have a topic that you would love uh, to hear us cover on it, feel free to reach out to me on my uh, Instagram handle, which is at Caleb J. Mason. I would love to talk with you. I would love to hear from you, from your suggestions to the things that you're learning about, to the people that you're learning from as well. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Learner's Corner Podcast. My name is Caleb Mason, and until next time, keep learning and keep growing.